The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest, Sean Cochran, head of research, CLSA Group, here with us live and in our studios in Hong Kong. Sean, great to see you. So we've got China slowing, we've got Europe slowing, and the U.S. slowing, three very big regions. And you've got interest rates on the way up in at least a couple of those regions. Are the markets a little out of step with what's happening at the moment? Yeah, look, it's a challenge that uh, the the central bankers are trying to manage insofar as COVID really uh, put pressures on policymakers and regulators that they they hadn't seen effectively since the Spanish flu. Um, And so what that meant was that it triggered a willingness globally to push an extraordinary amount of demand support through the global system because rightly at the time, it's easy in hindsight to look back and say, oh, we we understand how COVID works and we understand that we have vaccines and we understand there are ways to manage the path through and then out of COVID. But if you put yourself back in the mind's eye of how it actually felt in the early stages of COVID, it's understandable that the government's put a huge amount of uh, stimulus into the economy because they didn't know what is the floor, how bad can it get? But of course, the unintended consequence of that is when you have success with vaccines, when you have an environment where multiple economies are coming up with treatment solutions and we find a path to deal with COVID, then we have an environment where demand comes roaring back and the economy is relatively stable, but the money has already been provided. Those provisions are there and are built up in the reserves for the economy to then be spent. And you saw it in the savings rates of many economies. And so that pushes the demand through later and then the central banks have to uh, uh, relax. There's a whole supply side that's complicating as well, but I'll stop there just in case you want to uh... <laughs> Well, Sean, I mean, we still probably haven't, haven't seen a flaw from China and we're expecting further stimulus. We're looking at uh, the potential LPR cuts today as well. What does that mean in terms of how you allocate capital towards China? Sure. So what we would argue is that China's effectively led us into this cycle. So we've got to separate the fundamentals from what's in the price in that the returns that we capture on securities are primarily determined by what we pay. The fundamentals obviously can uh, change the value of that with the sufficient passage of time. With China, what we'd see is that the market has understood the risks in China for a very long time. It's been going down for longer than other markets and its valuations are not expensive. And as a result, we would argue that China has not bottomed. EM has not bottomed, but EM should start to outperform before markets reach a bottom. And that is the point at which the long only community will start to buy China. And that will be when the opportunities really arise. So I would suggest that China's attractive, but not there yet. It's interesting that you started off with a defense of policymakers. Uh, I I find that quite uh, compelling in a sense. Um, Never mind the blame and never mind, you know, the the justification. But right now we're here. Uh, Do you fear, do do you say that what's happening now is likely recession on its way or just slowing growth? 
Oh, absolutely recession in my mind. And that, that as an analyst, I'm speaking from my own personal views. Mm-hmm. CLSA prides ourselves on being a house of views rather than having a house view. We believe mm-hmm. that if you constrain the analysts around what they can say to uh, to their clients, then how can you uh, offer them the intellectual freedom to add the value of we essentially are in the, the role of providing ideas to help investors think through their investment process. So for me personally, recession is effectively baked into the cake because we have an environment where the economy is slowing down but we must tighten into it and we have supply constraints that are uh, COVID-related for China but conflict-related for the rest of the world and there's a geopolitical lens that's uh, now accelerating through all of that. It's very hard to believe this is easy to deal with. I know we've discussed China, but I do want to just get your initial reaction to that cut in the five and one year. It was a bit strange there because the the read came through as a, as a change, but they've both been cut. And it certainly looks like that cut to the one year potentially a nod here to the declining property sector. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, we have an environment where um, China has to deal with a, a difficult property situation. And uh, the, But the challenge becomes they understand that lowering rates aggressively is not necessarily going to challenge solve the problem. What they really need is structural solutions. And so that's why you're seeing very incremental moves and uh, a policy that's essentially stuck. Yeah, it's it's the debt overhang that really concerns policymakers. Otherwise, you know, you'd, you'd figure that they'd be um, stimulating more, uh, and exactly. it's really a problem that the whole globe faces. Uh, if you think about uh, going back over the past ten or twenty years, uh, the debt crisis is such that uh, you've got some limitations with what you can do with, with interest rates. Uh, does this does this set up for potentially a, a bigger drop in a sense than what we might have feared? Absolutely. I mean, we need to be open-minded that you could see a real decline in the S&P of 50 to 70 percent. Now, that's going to sound like, oh my, that's how could it be that's so large? But we need to keep in context that it comes down to the policy choices. We've avoided major drawdowns in markets by aggressive expansion of the monetary base zero interest rates, combined fiscal policy and talk of a ludicrous idea of modern monetary theory, which is a ridiculous concept that has been disproven through the the academic journals for decades and decades. But ultimately, uh, if the markets see enough stimulus, it can stop the downside. Where regulators and policymakers do a complete about-face and say, all right, we got it wrong, Uh, we need to really just uh, move through this process, accept the challenges, realise some insolvency, that could trigger some serious downside. If inflation's 10% a year for several years, that real outcome is much worse than what you see on the nominal print, and that's what everyone's most likely to get wrong in the next couple of years. How hawkish are you expecting speakers to be at Jackson Hole this week? And is some of the, I guess, perhaps anticipation worse than the execution of what we actually could hear? Yeah, it's really interesting because the central bankers are on this incredible tightrope where they're trying to find the, the balance. They they need to maintain as much credibility as possible. They need to make the market do their work for them as best they can with this view that they're going to keep raising. But the market has effectively already bet that they'll pivot. So you've seen this inversion of the yield curve, the expectation that rates will be coming down into next year priced into futures markets. And so that's the challenge that they have. Uh, ultimately, I think that 
they will have to raise and they'll, they'll threaten to keep raising because from their perspective, the worst possible scenario is they lose complete credibility and the market doesn't believe that they can do anything to stop inflation. Uh, ultimately, it's how the long end of the curve responds to that that's interesting. My base case is that the long end cannot back up in yield terms. So the, the yield curve inversion worsens, which would reinforce my view that there's a recession coming. That's the thing we need to watch out of the, uh, the message. It's less the message. That's relatively straightforward. It's the response to the message that matters. So the market was a little early in playing the Fed pivot. Uh, the, the beginning phase of a Fed pivot would be a slowing of tightening, and we haven't seen that yet, but maybe a 50 signifies the beginning of that. Um, uh, the, the middle part would be a pause by the Fed, uh, and then the, the, the final part would be the mission accomplished, or at least, or maybe even all the way to the next move is, is cutting by the Fed. Uh, in, in what phase of that might we see... Uh, you know, risk assets take off. Well, this is the challenging bit, is that um, typically what you see, and that we've, uh, we've outlined some key charts on this, one of our recent reports, our Global Themes report, that goes through the stages of a bear market. But typically, uh, we, we would argue we are in a Bob Farrell classic bear market, which means you have the sharp down, then you have the reflexive rebound, and then you have the drawn-out fundamental downtrend. Normally, the reflexive rebound will come at that pause, not the cut, but the pause. It can be a cut and no two cycles are the same. What we've had here is anticipation of a slowing of rate, which is your point about the markets getting ahead on this pivots, that's triggered a bounce. But markets were so oversold, they tend to do that anyway. Ultimately, rate cuts when there's a fundamental downtrend do not reverse mm. the cycle. And that's my base case here. Sean, great to have you with us in our Hong Kong studio. Sean Cochran, Head of Research, CLSA Group, with us in Hong Kong. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.